We've got a great coffee cart that participates in the market. Um, usually there's some... Now you're talking my language. Oh, good. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. Welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Uh, Today, my guest is Amanda Milholland. Amanda, I'm going to say you're the market director for the uh, Jefferson County Farmers Markets. That's the farmers markets in Port Townsend and Chimicum. I always forget Chimicum. So you're going to have to help me break that bad habit today. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to be here. Happy to be here with you today, Scott. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, well, you're, you're kind. So <laughs> why don't you, let's start with this. Why don't we know a little, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and how you ended up uh, working for the farmer's market? Sure. Um, well, I think it starts back with just um, my youth. I grew up in Port Townsend, um, Washington, so Jefferson County. And Um, My parents have always been really um, interested in food and have had a strong focus on local food. And um, I didn't personally care so much one way or the other what I was eating growing up. I would have liked to eat more sugar, but you can't get away with that in my household. Um, And (sighs) I know those kind of parents. (laughs) Um, But then I went off to college. And at some point in that period of time, I started my own garden for the first time. And um, that was the beginning of this process of falling in love with um, food in a new way and really developing a connection to wanting to eat um, food that I knew about. I knew where it came from. um, I knew what kind of care went into it. And that continued when I, um, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Uganda, um, East Africa. Okay. And there, um, the economy is 80 to 85% or more based on agriculture. And so most of the food that I was getting was grown directly by the people who were selling it. And I was eating a mostly produce um, rich diet and Um, it became my norm. And then coming back to the United States, I had this real kind of come to myself moment of recognizing that I had changed when it came to food and that I really wanted to have a connection with my food in a stronger way than I ever had before. And um, I moved to Portland where um, I lived for six years before moving back to Jefferson County. And at that time, I um, continued my work to trajectory, which had been in the nonprofit sphere. But I also started gardening and raising chickens in a big way. And uh, so I went from it being just a small part of what I did and kind of a hobby to being um, a significant portion of my food production. And um, Mm -hmm. I had a kind of growing realization that what I was looking for in terms of work was a way to connect my nonprofit experience, because I've mostly worked with nonprofits throughout my career, with something having to do with local food and um, with connecting people to local food. And I moved back um, with my husband to um, my hometown of Port Townsend um, in 2015. And at that point, I was uh, pregnant with my first kid and not thinking about going right back to work. And Um, I kept hearing about the farmer's market director position. And one night I woke up in the middle of the night and realized I'd been dreaming about the job. And I was like, (laughs) oh, man, it's really weaseled its way into my subconscious. And I guess that means something. And so I applied. And um, this is going to be my sixth um, season directing the Jefferson County Farmer's Markets. And um, I really love it. It's there's, you know, it comes with it's all kinds of different challenges and amazing opportunities and a great um, kind of canvas to get to know local food and producers in the community. Um, And I really love what it brings to my community to be part of a farmer's market and to really be able to support the growth of local small businesses and farms, as well as community value of local food. 
I've got a couple of questions for where did you go to college? I went to Evergreen. Olympia. You went to Evergreen. Yeah, okay. Evergreen State College, okay. Olympia. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And then you Peace Corps in Africa. So that's a massive culture. Yes. Yeah. Shift. Yeah. For sure. Then you you, you then you ended up in Portland. Mm-hmm. So the other question I have is so when you when you moved back, you said you were raising chickens. And is it the egg and I road that's out there? There is egg and I in, in Jefferson County. Yes. And it. Yeah. I, so you weren't by chance on that no, road where you, no, I'm sorry. That's, kind of, that's, that's, where my in, brain that's works. in Chimicum, Washington. Um, so that that's where the, our Chimicum market is not so far away from the egg and I road. And it actually was okay. the first place where my mother owned um, property in Jefferson County. And she and some friends built a cabin out there um, where she first lived okay. Um on her own property. So I do have a connection to egg and I road, but I have never lived there. <laughs> You're never nope. lived there. Okay. It would have been just kind of fun. Yeah. So the job opportunity wor- worms its way into your psyche. You're dreaming about the opportunity. You obviously are in the, in the job now. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it was, I, I (laughs) it it definitely was it was a time in my life when I thought um, I was going to take advantage of as much time as I could um, with my kid while my husband was working full time and I found that Mm -hmm. um, in reality I really love the opportunity to bring myself um, to my community through my work and the the opportunity to um, jump into this position really fit with my values and, and what I love to do. So I was surprised, but here I am. And apparently it's, it's, um, it's a good fit for me. As you said, it, it became part of this, uh, undercurrent in my brain that I couldn't get away from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you consider, so help me out here. Cause I'm, I, I, this is where relying on you as the local expert. Mm-hmm. The, the Jefferson County farmers markets run the two markets. Yes. Are they completely independent of each other underneath this umbrella or are they, uh, how would you describe, help me describe these? Cause like, like to be blunt or mm-hmm. not blunt, that's probably to be completely honest. I always forget about Chimicum. Yeah. Sorry, Chimicum. Yeah. If you're listening, my bad. Yep. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, they are very much like sister markets in my mind. Um, we share a lot of the same resources, um, and the same management. Um, the Jefferson County farmers markets, um, we're a really small nonprofit organization. I'm the only full-time staff of the organization and, um, Mm -hmm. our other part-time staff work often at both a little bit at both markets. And I sometimes am also at both markets and, um, they really, the Chimicum market, we, um, it was first started by the Chimicum Grange in 2008. And, um, okay. at that time it was developed as a way to bring more access to fresh food, um, to Chimicum, the Chimicum community. And, um, in 2010, the Jefferson County farmers markets, which at that point were just operating the Port Townsend farmers market, um, took over the management of the Chimicum farmers market to support its growth and stabilization. And since then, the market has, um, has continued to be a food source for Chimicum. And it did grow from that first um, period of time. And when it was being um, managed by Chimicum Grange, it is our smaller of the two farmers markets, um, significantly. And, and sometimes people do overlook even here in Jefferson County that we do have the second market, um, and in the, in the past, we've actually operated additional markets prior to COVID. Um, okay. But the Chimicum market has something really special going for it that is unique to that market. So I don't think it should be forgotten. It's, um, it's it, for several reasons. One is that it is unique in that it's providing um, food in a area that is uh, fairly rural. So um, there's not... There's a lot of farms in Chimicum, but there's not a lot of grocery stores in Chimicum. It is um, located at Chimicum Corner Farm Stand, which is a local grocery store carrying a lot of locally sourced food. Um, And they've been a longtime partner of of the farmer's market. Um, So there is that access to local food now in Chimicum with Chimicum Corner Farm Stand. But 
the Chimica market gives people a chance to connect with the growers in that community and buy directly from those growers at the market. And so it's expanding food opportunities um, for people in the area. And it also is um, so close to a lot of the participating farms, which I think is really a special aspect of that market. Um, One of the farms that participates every year is uh, Red Dog Farm, and they're within walking distance from the market. And so when you think about local food and being able to access (laughs) it at the farmer's market, there's really um, no better example than the relationship between the Chimicum Farmer's Market, Red Dog Farm, and that you can walk there um, from the market. I just love, I love that that market really is bringing people food that's super local and that's special. So all my questions always have to have an asterisk now because of COVID Mm -hmm. because COVID has changed everybody's answers. Uh, Let's keep going with Chimicum. About how many vendors are taking part at at that market? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We've had a range of vendors over the years. Um, This last year, we actually had more vendors than we had um, prior to COVID. So that was an interesting kind of shift in that market and sales even Mm -hmm. went up at that market prior then versus prior to COVID sales. So last year, there were a total of 20 vendors um, and as many as 18 participating at one time. So that's, it's not a big market, um, but we've, in some seasons, we've had as many as 10 vendors. So um, it's the the great thing about the market is while it is small, it does provide a good um, diversity of products. So you can get your fresh produce. Um, often you can find meat at that market, um, pasture raised meat. We've got a great coffee cart that participates in the market. Um, usually there's some. Now you're talking my language. Oh, good, good. I, we found something in common there. I do I, love coffee. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge coffee. <laughs> yeah, man. it's good. Um, and then there's always a bakery. We have Pandamore Artisan Bakery that participates in both of our farmers markets, and um, usually some good craft vendors too. So while the market is small, it does have a good selection of products. And then just from a. Th- visitor headcount mm-hmm. how how approximately how many people are attending the chimica market on on a any random Sunday? yeah we actually do customer counts at that market pretty regularly so i can be very precise okay. Okay. we generally have between 300 and 350 people at that market all right so it's all you right. know it's not it's not huge but um oh, but that's yeah. a, that's a good number of folks to yeah. come through. I mean, that's that's good. Yeah, totally. Okay. And one of the things that's really fun with that one in particular is its particular location is right at the the main intersection in Chimicum. And so right. that means that we're we're attracting local shoppers, but we're also attracting a lot of visitors from all over the county and from neighboring counties, even sometimes from Seattle or other states. And um, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's one of those things that sometimes people come to intentionally and sometimes people stumble upon. And um, we last year found that approximately 25% of the people who were shopping at that market were actually coming from 50 miles or greater than Jefferson County outside of Jefferson County. So that was um, sometimes I'm surprised by, you know, it's, we can overlook yeah. this amazing little market, but it's a gem and it shouldn't be overlooked because there's so much, so much there. And, and people, even from outside of our small community, um, are getting to know that market. How are you going about from a, from a, let's just say from a business mm-hmm. standpoint, how are you going about identifying that 25% of your folks are um, traveling a good distance yeah. to attend? That's a great question. We, um, we do participate in a, um, a small grant every year from the Jefferson County lodging tax. And, um, that grant allows us to specifically promote the Chimicum farmers market. And part of our grant reporting is we actually are responsible for doing, um, a survey of our shoppers on a monthly basis. And, um, so we do that in a couple of ways. One, we just do a head count and we do that more than, um, once a month. It's, it's a really good kind of indication for us of how the market's doing. But at least once a month, we additionally do a dot survey, 
where we're collecting a random sample of um, information from a random sample of people shopping at the market. And the questions include things like, how far did you travel to get to the market with some various ranges for people to choose from? And that, so that's where I'm getting that number from our, our dot okay. surveys. That's, it's interesting though. It's, it's interesting when I, when I talk to um, markets and when I talk to businesses in general, where their, where their clientele is coming from, it's always interesting to hear people's um, methodology yeah. on that. Yeah. So the, the Chimica market compared to the, Port Townsend market is a much shorter season. Yes, that one is June through October. So first Sunday in June to the last Sunday in October, um, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And um, the Port Townsend Farmers Market runs from the first Saturday in April to the third Saturday in December. So this year it's April 2nd till um, December 17th. So it does have a longer season. Yeah. Yeah. With with Chimicum being, you know, we'll just... help me so you're open 10 to 2 so four Mm -hmm. hours how much prep time are you guys how much how hard is it to set the market up it's got to be it's a super easy vendors show up early they're punctual (laughs) Uh, the the herding of cats Uh, that's a good question you know um with the chimica market we generally have one staff person that goes to that market so it is a market that can be set up um in a couple hours time and broken down and in a a little bit less than that um, by one person. So um, generally okay. the person who's working that market does an eight hour day. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a fairly easy setup, um, you know, a couple tents and um, sometimes bringing some tables from borrowing tables from Chimicum corner farm stand and bringing them over to our market <laughs> area. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't take, too much to set it up. The Saturday market does okay. take um, quite a bit more. Yeah. Um, this year, right. we are really excited to bring live music back to both markets. That was something that we had to discontinue nice. um, during the first couple okay. of years of COVID. And so for the, the Port Townsend market, that means setting up a pretty simple stage, just some stage platform boards and um, a tent and weights and um either having a music coordinator that sets up sound equipment or having the musicians set up um, their own sound equipment. And so that, that adds um, some time. We also set up benches and such for the the live music. Um, But it's, it's something that we really value being able to offer the community. We know that, um, that it brings a lot of folks who want to be able to um, shop and enjoy the market as a place to be in community right. with each other. And um, so that's something that we, we love to be able to help facilitate. So I'm looking at some of the questions we had talked about. Yeah, Sorry. no problem. Um, <laughs> we're a full, fully transparent show. Whenever there's a pause, we have to explain <laughs> to the audience. Um, well, let's, let's, let's transition now to the Port Townsend market because that's the market that I've been oh, to. Oh, nice. Um, Several years ago. I mean, it's it's been a while since I've, I've been to Port Regretfully, it's been a while since I've, I love Port Well, you should come. Um, this is going to be the year for it. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary this season. So that's interesting because that's a fairly significant, you know, milestone. I mean, it, you know, it's more, more significant than 29 and less significant than 35. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> 30 years of farmer's markets in Port Townsend. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about the the origin, how did, how did that start? You know, and do you, you know, I know that predates you, but what's kind of the, how did the Port Townsend farmer's market come to yeah, be? Yeah. Um, it, it, I love, I love the story of this market and I feel like there's probably a lot of markets that share some similarities and just kind of origin stories. Um, uh, but this one, it feels like, even though in, you're right, that I wasn't working with the market 30 years ago, uh, I just I just turned 40, so I would have been 10, and that would have been really not, yeah, not working. Yeah, child labor laws <laughs> being what they are. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. that said, I've, I'm familiar with some of those beginning vendor businesses, and some of them are still vendors at our market, and um, they were the oh. original uh, market staff as well. So how it was initially set up was um, a collective of farm and other vendors who decided to do a market together. And 
um, then also took responsibility on a rotating basis for taking the lead um, when it came to setting up any kind of communal spaces, um, coordinating vendors, and collecting any vendor fees. Um, all those kind of things were initially done exclusively by this, the vendors that were participating in the market. And it was initially okay. in a downtown parking lot with something like 12 vendors. And um, okay. it had different locations between now and then. Um, in 2000, um, I think it was 2013, so you said 2013 or 2003, I'll have to double check that one. Um, it moved, uh, it was 13. It moved to Uptown Port Townsend. And mm -hmm. at that time, it really, it grew. So it grew from being, you know, between 12 and maybe 25 vendors till um, what it has been prior to COVID, which has been between 75 and 80 vendors. So pretty significant growth. Yeah, COVID mm -hmm. has been an exception. We've the last couple of years, we had uh, 40 vendors during um, the first year of the pandemic, 2020. And then this last year, it was um, 56 vendors at the, the max of the season. But I'm really excited to see a number of things. One, um, coming into this season, we have um, 76 vendors that have been approved for the market. So I'm really excited to see that growth again. And um, there's just a really good diversity of vendors represented at the market. So that's really exciting for the season. And then there's also something really special that I noticed this last year, just looking at our sales, which was, yes, our shopper number has been down during COVID, but there has also been this continued community support for local farms and small businesses. And I saw that yesterday with, or not yesterday, this, this last year when I was reviewing the, the sales at the end of the year, when I noticed that sales were up 1%, which is not huge, but they were up 1% while at the same time we had this huge reduction in shoppers due to COVID. And to me, that shows this strong community investment and interest in local small businesses and farms, and specifically in supporting them by shopping at the market and I'm just really excited to see how that continues to show up as we move out of COVID and into this next 30 years. Brave yeah, the brave new world. Yes. So hopefully post-COVID sometime soon. What's, what's interesting is I've, I've heard similar comments from other market managers that traffic numbers down, vendor count down, revenues improve. Mo, you know, modest improvement, holding, holding steady, modest declines there. No, the revenue stayed fairly stable in relationship to the variable of traffic or vendor count. So that's, that is, I love hearing that because that you're right. I think that does mean the community's valuing um, with their dollars, you know, and make, you know, the, the local stuff. So the, the, so let's talk about kind of the the traffic and demographics of the Port or Port Townsend market. If people are going from fifty miles to the Chimica market, what's what's Port Townsend seeing? What what sort of where are you getting your visitors from? That's a great question. Um, we don't do the same extensive like monthly surveys of our Port Townsend shoppers, but we talk to them on a regular basis and. Um, sure. we do have a lot of local shoppers. They, um, they make up the base of the market. They're the people who are supporting us and keeping stable sales, even when, um, tourism has really dropped in Jefferson County. And, um, mm -hmm. at the same time, we do get a lot of visitors from the Seattle area, um, from Kitsap County. Those are some of the places that I hear most when I ask people where they're visiting from. Um, and sometimes we get visitors from other parts of the country and even nationally or internationally. And um, definitely Port Townsend has a bit of a reputation, a positive reputation for our farmer's market. So um, I'm never particularly surprised when I hear somebody say, oh, I'm here from, you know, some other country and we love your farmer's market. Or um, I'm here from California or Idaho or Florida, for that matter. So it's always nice to have a chance to talk to people who are coming from other places and see their observations of the market and what they enjoy and why it becomes a stop that they choose to come to whenever they visit Port Townsend. 
Um, So I have a question for you. So you just said you're not, you're not surprised by people, you know, from out, out of the region. I have this perception and I'm maybe you can help me prove it more accurate or maybe you're going to debunk it for me, but I kind of think that people that like farmers markets want to check them out when they're traveling. Oh yeah. Like if, if, so if you're traveling and let's say you and the family are going to Massachusetts, you might want to check out and you know, the only town in Massachusetts I can think of right now is Boston. So you're going to Boston mm-hmm. in my little example. So, you know, are you, would you want to check out the, the Boston farmer's market oh, yeah. on your totally. journey? Yeah. I, okay. I look up farmer's so, markets when I go anywhere. I haven't gone much of anywhere in the last couple of years, but I, I look right. for them. And um, I, I think that farmer's markets just give this really good example of the local culture and food. And for me, when I think about like food and culture are so um, interconnected. And I think that farmer's markets for that reason are, they're like a, a roadmap to the community. They just give you a strong sense of who's there, who's producing food, what kind of food are people eating? And then also what, what do people value and love in their local arts culture and, um, and you know, anything else that the market brings, but it's always fun to just get a chance to see other farmers markets and experience the food, um, experience the, the regular shoppers and the interactions between vendors and shoppers. And yeah, so I always look out for them and you're right. I think that people who are farmers market people, uh, they don't stop becoming farmers market people when they go on vacation there. It just piques our curiosity. We want to know what does your farmers market look like? What do you got yeah, there? Totally. Right. Can I find some amazing hot sauce that I can't get in Port Townsend or, um, you know, what else, what else is going to be there? That's, that's really amazing. It's, For me, it's like, who, who's, who's got coffee? That's also a good question. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we've got a couple good coffee vendors in Port Townsend. So that's just one more reason for you to come to the farmer's market. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we haven't, you know, we, we haven't done a lot of traveling the last year and a half, two years or so. I mean, a little bit, but not, not like we used to, um, which is part of the reason the show is fun for me is that, you know, I get to sit in my office and have conversations with people remotely and it's like vicariously being mm-hmm. there for the 30th anniversary. Are you doing anything special? Yes. Uh, the first thing is while this would normally be a every season thing, we are bringing back live music after two years of not having scheduled live music. And that feels significant. Okay. I'm just so excited about being able to have that be a part of our markets again this year and um, being able to, we had some great buskers over the last year. um, But the challenge when you don't have a budget or a structure for booking music is, is there's, you know, a lot of the same music every week. And that while it's like great music at some point, it's, you miss the diversity uh, that comes when you're able to invite lots of different performers to come to the market. And so I'm really excited about that. We're going to have live music for our opening day and throughout the season. Um, We also um, will be doing a red ribbon cutting with our chamber of commerce, which is fun. They bring a very large ribbon and excessively large pair of scissors for the cutting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always just so curious, like, where do you get a pair of scissors that's that size? Because it's just, I mean, my kids would go crazy with it. Well, the same place you get those giant checks that yeah, they hold up. That they're, you exactly. Know, yeah, it's, it's the giant mark, whatever <laughs> it's called. Yeah. Um, okay. And then we're still working on some other details. We'll have our um, public library doing a story time for kids and live music nice. and the ribbon cutting and vendors. So many vendors, including... Right vendors who are returning to the market who haven't been there for a few years um, and new vendors. And I'm just really excited for that combination of new and returning vendors and um, music and people and, and story time. And yeah. Musically, what are you, uh, what type of music do you like to bring into the market? That's a great question. My ideal for market music is that it is different from from week to, to week. We have a lot of really talented musicians here in Jefferson County, and um, we love to host, host them. And we try to not have the same musicians play 
you know, too, too frequently. Um, there are some great ones that mm -hmm. end up being staples for us. Um, but this, um, for the opening day market, I know we're going to have, I'm working on the other band, but the one that we do have, um, set up for sure is, um, called harmonica pocket and they, um, okay. they do really fun music. Um, Keith, who's there, the musician for that band, he does a combination of silly, fun kid songs. And then also just, he, he's got a beautiful voice and plays a few different instruments. And so he sometimes also will sing adult songs. So it's just fun to have the, the combination of energy and silliness that comes into the market with his music. And I, I really feel like he helps set the stage for a family friendly market. And um, we often have right. a lot of kids and families come to our, our first market of the season. So it feels like a particularly good one to have um, Keith there to help us kick off the season. To yeah. kick it off. I'm looking on your site. So because you said yeah. kid friendly is what about dog? That's friendly? That's a good question. If you got a dog and you feel the need to take it to the market, you are welcome to go to the Chimicum farmer's market. We, we don't do dogs at the Port Townsend farmer's market um, with the exception of service animals. And there, you know, there are some people who are disappointed about that. Um, most people who I talk to support ha having no dogs, but it comes with a history, mm -hmm. as I think most sure. no dog policies come with a history. Um, we've had the experience of vendors have had produce peed on by dogs at the market when they used to be allowed. <laughs> See how that's like, it's such an unfortunate thing. You're like, oh, great, I can't sell that because your dog just peed on it. <laughs> um, We've had concerns with um, tripping on leashes when the market does have its normal capacity of people or normal attendance. Um, Pre-pandemic, we frequently would have um, 2,000 to 3,000 people at the market on a Saturday. If you think about those, those are, are big, big numbers. numbers. That That's, those are we big have numbers. not had yeah. those numbers during COVID. Uh, I don't expect we'll mm -hmm. be there this next season, but... Um, if you think about numbers like that, and then you think about dog leashes and dogs, some dogs that are really friendly, some dogs that are not consistently friendly, it just becomes this mm -hmm. factor that's not, it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel fair to, to the general community. There's also issues of, sure. you know, we do support having people having service animals at the, the market, but having a bunch of dogs at the market actually can affect the, the accessibility of the market for people who, sure. you know, are nervous about running into a leash or nervous about being near a dog. Um, I, a, a few years right. ago I had, I was, uh, had one of my kids in my arms at the market and was talking with a, someone asking them to leave because they had a, a small dog in their arms that was not a service animal. And the person was explaining to me why their dog should be at the market who the dog then bit my child while in the arms of this, this customer. And it was just a good reminder um, that, you know, we do what we can to set the market up for success with having um, some expectations of our shoppers. And one of them is that we just want you to bring a service animal and leave your pets at home. Even if it's a super okay. kind um, animal, sure. it's a totally different thing when it gets in a crowded environment and, the reasons for not having dogs are numerous. And while your dog may be an exception to, you know, lots of those reasons, um, just do us the favor and keep your dog at home so that you can enjoy the market with, um, to its fullness. Okay. The, at, so oh, yeah. Port, Port Townsend's been 30 yeah, years. 30 years. To your knowledge, is there a vendor that's, so the longest running yeah, vendor? Yeah, we do have some vendors who've been at the market all 30 years. Um, yeah, I know, right? That's crazy. That's, it's that's wonderful. Crazy. I love it. Okay. Um, so yeah, give me I'm an example. Give you a what, examples. what are they selling? What are they sold for, for 30 sure. years? So um, one of them is a vendor called Mountain, uh, Mountain Spear Herbal Company. Denise Joy is the vendor. And... Um, she is a farmer and herbalist, and she has been selling um, her line of tinctures, salves, um, body care products with a, a random assortment, occasionally of different kinds of um, produce, or she grows pumpkins every year. Um, and okay. she's been doing that for 
for um, 30 years at the farmer's market. And um, I love some of the pictures she shared with me of the early days of the farmer's market. It's it's nice because having grown up in this community, I, I know the people in the, the photos and just to see, you know, these <laughs> young okay. people who are the parents of, you know, some of my peers and and friends and to see them as as people my age or or maybe even younger who are participating in the early days of the farmer's market. It's just really sweet. I love that. Um, Another vendor that I think has been with the market for all 30 years is called Gathering Place. They are a um, nonprofit vendor in the market. They, They have a unique relationship to the market as a nonprofit. Generally, we provide um, free market space to community nonprofits for one to three markets per season. And they show up and Mm -hmm. represent the nonprofit that they work with. And and maybe they'll do some community outreach or fundraising or um, things of that type. Um, But Gathering Place is a um, nonprofit that provides um, educational and recreational support for adults with developmental disabilities. And they part of what they do to support their work is um, produce arts and crafts and um, dog biscuits, of all things, um, for the dog that you did keep at home. Because I was going to say, for the dog, you <laughs> yeah, exactly. leave at home. Yeah, exactly. Dogs at home, but you can bring biscuits <laughs> to the dog to make up for the fact that they're at home. But the, you, you won't know if the dog likes it until yeah, you bring exactly. it home. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So they, yeah, dog biscuits and arts and crafts that are made um, by or in partnership with the adults that are served by the program. And so they've been doing that for 30 years as one of their um, primary income generating methods for their nonprofit. And we just love that partnership. We love the opportunity to see them continue their work and to be able to support their work um, with having them participate in the market. And I'm just so thankful that those two vendors have been there the whole darn time. Um, We've had some other vendors that have been at the market for a long time, but as far as I know, those are the two that have been there the longest, like from the very beginning. Yeah. Humor me with this question. I'm asking you your opinion. Okay, your opinion. I'm going to say, okay. What is the oddest thing that you have seen for sale at the market? In other words, you know, what, it, what is just something, you know, you walked by and you went, huh, <laughs> we're not a, huh. yeah. Has there been any, you know, things that have caught your, hmm. you know? Um, well, I am part of the, the group of people who juries and vendors, um, we've had some applicants okay. um, for the market where I've seen products and thought, what? Like, is it, okay. what is this? Um, generally <laughs> things that just totally baffle me. And then I, that are just a little, a little too out there. They, they often don't end up at the market um, because we do, we do try and hold ourselves to um, a, a fairly rigorous standard when it comes to the products that we're bringing to our community. So if um, there is a food art or farm vendor that is um, interested in participating, they do, we are looking at their products and making sure it is a good fit and that they are looking at being a, you know, how to be sustainable as a business in terms of their sourcing and um, how to support local through their sourcing. So that does all come into like when you actually show up at the market, the quality of the products is pretty darn high in my consideration. Um, One of the, Mm -hmm. I think the product that most surprised me and that I actually found um, to be a super awesome product. um, This, this is, you know, get in, going to get into a realm that maybe may make some people uncomfortable, but I'll say was um, reusable cloth um, uh, pads, menstrual pads. That was something where I was like, I was thinking, wow, at a farmer's market. And then it was just like, of course, at a farmer's market, here we are um, trying to have, have a, an approach as a, um, as a business incubator um, that is Mm -hmm. really helping um, small businesses bring sustainable, thoughtful products into our community. And that was one of those products where um, it was just, such an 
obvious and great way to reduce um, our use of plastics and throwaway products. And I ultimately, you know, bought them for a bunch of friends and was like, this is great. I sent them to some of my friends in Uganda who were like super excited. um, So, you know, some of those things that initially make me go, huh, uh, are actually right. like some of the most amazing finds that you can get. At well, the and that's and that's half yeah. the fun of it, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's like, huh? Yeah, for sure. What is the process for a event? So somebody's listening to this and and they're like, well, I want to be a vendor at the at one of mm-hmm. these markets or mm-hmm. both. What what's the process? Look yeah, like? we try to make it pretty easy. Um, we do an electronic application, and it's available on our website. The application period is still open for the Chimicum Farmer's Market until April 1st. So if you're considering the market, this is the time to get your application in. And um, the application becomes available usually um, mid-December and then closes for the Port Townsend Farmer's Market if you want to apply for the full season, February 1st. And then for the Chimicum Market, it's April 1st. And um, then we do have a, a vendor application period if space is available that um, is for the Port Townsend Farmer's Market that comes usually in July and closes um, sometime a few weeks, month after that. And that's for fall and winter vendors. Um, but for the full season, the application period closed for the, the Port Townsend Farmer's Market, um, February 1st. And so vendors apply and they the, the application asks lots of questions about the kind of business they're operating, what types of products they're offering, where they're located, um, their farming methods or their sourcing methods, um, any kind of packaging mm-hmm. they're using and what types of packaging. And all those things come into our consideration when we're, we're um, inviting new vendors to join the market. Um, Art vendors are asked to submit um, pictures of their work. Sometimes we have um, prepared food vendors um, submit a product sample to the board, um, especially if they're offering a product that feels like it might might have overlap with other products that we're already offering. Then we just want to have a sense of, is this going to be truly two products of the same um, exact nature at the market, or is this going to be a new rendition on what's offered that will be of value to um, our community and um, help support a, a new business and, and growing here in the county. Do you allow, um, let's just pick, we'll just stick with coffee because that's, you know, would you, do you allow two coffee companies at the market at one time? Yes. Yeah, we, um, okay. we allow, we, it's an interesting one. We allow, um, you could have, we could potentially have more than two. We have two right now at the Port Townsend Farmers Market, but we, okay. um, we look for having a diversity of products. And so we would Mm -hmm. be concerned if there were, um, a lot of vendors applying for the same thing. Generally the things that we get a lot of applications for a lot, many seasons, it will be jewelry where we'll have, you know, you have, 10 vendors who have applied to do jewelry. And we do, we do mm-hmm. prioritize bringing new ethically sourced products to our community. But at the same time, we do want to make sure that we're providing a um, marketplace that's of value to our vendors. So um, there's that balance between um, wanting to offer a diversity of goods and also not wanting to oversaturate the market with um, one type of goods. And so we look to balance both of that in our review process and when we're accepting new vendors. Okay. I mean, you could, you could have 20 or 30 coffee vendors and be just a Oh, you would market. like that. I'm going to, I'm yeah, going to plug would, in would, my computer would, while we're talking. Okay. I would love that. You know, that'd be awesome. But I, I might be in the, in the minority on I that I think uh, you and I might both love it, but you know, after cup number two, I become a less productive and more eclectic person. So, um, but I don't see the problem in that. You might if you're hanging out with me. <laughs> yeah. Let's so let's talk about almost there. Yeah. Who who does the market serve? That's a great question. I love that question. Um 
we serve a lot of different populations. Um, of course, we've been talking about vendors, so I'll start there. We, to start with, we serve our vendors. Um, and to, to start with maybe isn't the right way to say it because um, the populations that we serve, it's not like they're on tiers. It's they're they're all mm-hmm. they're all important. Well, without vendors, you're not serving exactly. the public. You know, so you've got two sides yeah. of this table. I mean, there's there's vendors and sure. Customers. So with our our um, vendors, we are focused on farm, um, food, and art businesses. We do um, provide some booth space, as I mentioned, to nonprofit businesses as well as um, service businesses if they're a good fit for the community. So, um, for example, we're going to have a massage therapist back at the market this year who will be doing um, massage through clothing and with masks on, of course. Um, So, yeah, the the variety of of, um, businesses is uh, can be wide, but within that kind of range. Um, some of the farm vendors that we're working with are primarily doing mixed produce or pasture-raised meat, and some of them are doing okay. value-added products, like, for example, jam or tomato sauce. Um, so there's like a, when I say farm, it isn't just one thing. Um, there's even the example that I mentioned earlier, Mountain Spear Herbal Company, where her primary products are farm products because um, they're while they're tinctures or salves, they're using um, herbs that she, a lot of which she's growing or wild crafting. So um, there's those businesses and most of them are coming from Jefferson County. Um, We have a, we do, uh, our vendors are consist of businesses from Jefferson County and within their surrounding counties but with the priority on um, serving vendors from Jefferson County. So we are unique okay. in that among a lot of farmers markets. I'm, I'm sure that there are other, other markets with a similar approach, but because we're in this very rich agricultural community and arts community, we find that we get um, enough applicants from within Jefferson County that we often don't have room for many applicants from without a, outside of the county. Um, but we do include okay. applicants from outside of the county that are bringing products that are otherwise either underrepresented or not represented at the market. Um, so, for example, we'll have a wine vendor this year, Seebeck um, Cellars, that's from Kitsap County. And um, we don't have much. Um, we, we have great cider represented and um, a little bit of um, wine and, and mead at the market. Um, but we don't have the variety that we would love to see at the market. So including um, a uh, Kitsap vendor, um, just one of the neighboring counties, is a great way for us to increase the offerings that we bring to our community. Great. So when it comes to vendors, primarily Jefferson County and some from our surrounding counties, um, when it comes to shoppers, we really strive to make the market a place that serves everyone. Um, and that's that's you know, that's a bold and broad and, you know, not, it's, we do have populations that predominantly make up our customer base. So we're, you know, it's something we realize that um, we can continue to work on. And it's one of our things that we, we do um, really strive to continue to work on. Um, But we're Mm -hmm. serving everyone from the wee babes that come in arms to um, people who are, um, you know, in their, their, the older years of their lives, uh, the 65 plus community. And, um, so we're, yeah, that, that population is pretty broad. We, um, do have a growing food access, um, programs. And so this last year we saw those programs, our snap, um, program and snap match program, um, grow by 258%. So, huge growth over 2019 sales. And um, what that shows me is that um, the number of people who are shopping at the market who are using um, SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, WIC, um, the Women, Infants, and Children, or um, also Senior Farmers Market Nutrition Program, um, has increased. And that's pretty amazing um, to see that growth. And also in this time when we are nationally and internationally experiencing instability in our economy. It's really nice to be able to see that 
the market can show up as a place for people from um, any income level to be able to access fresh food. And um, so that's mm -hmm. that's a place that we've really been um, growing. And then we're also looking um, at how to increase the the intentional um, welcome of people, um, black, indigenous, and people of color at our market. So both in terms of vendors and in terms of our community, um, it's a place where we're still growing and where we still have a lot to learn. Um, but it's something that we've been working on actively um, this last year and that we continue to, to work on. Um, we've done that over this last year with the creation of a BIPOC startup business fund or Black Indigenous People of Color um, Startup Business Fund. Um, that's a program through which we are able to provide small grants to new BIPOC-owned market businesses that support those businesses mm -hmm. with being able to buy some of the essential tools that you need to be able to operate at the farmer's market. So that could be your market tent. It could be your um, food permits. Um, anything that the business prioritizes as being of high priority for them to be able to show up and participate in the market. And that is offered in recognition of the impact that systemic um, racism has had on people of color in our, in our community and nation, and just wanting to reduce some of the barriers that BIPOC folks experience when it comes to being able to um, to access the market as a vendor. And then we hope that that will also ripple out to making the market a more welcoming place for um, BIPOC shoppers. Um, we do we do live in a, a community that um, is in large part um, Caucasian, um, but that, that just gives us like that much more of a, okay, if we're gonna be a market that is not just serving the majority um, population, what do we do to really actively and intentionally create a welcoming space? So it's it's a work in progress, but um, one that we're committed to. What else about the markets should we should we cover? Um, I think I have I think you know I have a pretty good understanding of the. Well, let me ask you. Let me phrase the question this way. What do you what do you think's going on the horizon? What do you hope to see for the markets over the next you know two to five? That's years? a great question. Um, I think that a a really important piece that started to emerge um, over this last couple of years for farmers markets, um, and that we can see with some of the things we talked about before, like um, the stability of sales, even as customer counts and vendor numbers have decreased. Um, or potential growth in sales, as we saw in, here in Jefferson County, um, is that there is a growing awareness, and I hope that we'll continue down this path, um, that, that there's a deep importance to our local small businesses and to our local food system. And that's something I really hope to see um, continue to increase in our community um, understanding and also nationally in our national conversations around, you know, how do we stabilize economy? How do we, um, how do we make sure that people are earning a living wage? Um, th these things are all really deeply rooted with, are the businesses, the small businesses in our community um, set up for success? Do they have the ability to, mm -hmm. um, to sell directly to shoppers and um, earn earn a living that allows them to pay fair wages to employees. Um, and then also this last couple of years, we've experienced disruption in the food supply where um, th some of the really big farms and um, some of the national and international food suppliers um, weren't able to operate in the ways that we've depended on them in the past. And um, what I saw here in Jefferson County was that that, that was part of this, this growing understanding that um, we need our local farms to, to succeed. And it's not just because we want local farms, but because if we want to be able to count on getting food, our local farms need to be able to survive. And um, so I really am hopeful that there's growing understanding of that. Um, I think that you know, there's this large tide to try and keep things, to try and go back to normal, 
that's, you know, there's, I do hear a lot of conversation around like, oh, I just, I miss, you know, pre-COVID. I like want what it used to be. I understand that. Um, but I think there's some really amazing learning that we had the opportunity to do over this last couple of years of COVID um, that connects back to localizing our purchasing and why it's important. Um, and that it's, you know, it's, it ripples out. It's something that I just, I love when I go to the farmer's market and I'm buying food from a local vendor. And then later on that day, I just, you know, happen to be at my local grocery store or downtown supporting a different business. And I find that same business or same vendor in there, small business owner shopping and just recognizing you just earn money at the farmer's market. And now your money is going directly to this other local business. And when you succeed, this other business also succeeds. And when you succeed, I also know that I can count on you to show up next year and provide food to our community. So there's this really important right. thing um, that that we're doing here in Jefferson County and that I think farmers markets are doing nationally and helping hopefully move the food picture and our understanding of economy um, back to the local and just continue that understanding that we have to choose how we spend our dollars with the intention of helping everybody thrive. Right. How many times does that dollar that you spent get recirculated in Jefferson County? Yeah. You know, it's a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting thought when you think about it, you, you go to the farmer's market, you, you know, we'll just say it's a dollar for oversimplification and you hand a dollar to the mm -hmm. produce vendor and they take that dollar and they hand it to the, the local coffee person because everyone <laughs> wants to have coffee. And then, and then, and that person takes it and they hand it to, you know, and how many times does that dollar get passed mm -hmm. around within the community versus you going to your local Mm -hmm. chain store buying buying mm -hmm. the same produce and some of those dollars stay in the community in the form of labor but a lot of those dollars go to wherever that corporation's yep. from and uh it benefits the community to a little you know to a point but it, it, i see it as markets do a different it, it's i think mm -hmm. we need both in, in 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 a harmonious way that um but I like the idea that you, in your story where, you know, you, you bought produce and then you saw that person at the, at the store later on in the day. And you also, you recognize where yep. your food's coming from. You recognize that person. I think, I think yeah. that's wonderful. Um, yeah. Well, when you, oh, uh, yeah, sure. Go, on, go um, ahead. Go ahead. I think, you know, there's more to answer with that question of kind of what do I see for us? Um, there's a lot of other big questions we're looking at right now as a farmer's market. Um, we are in strategic planning this winter and, um, it's such an important thing for nonprofits to do on occasion. Anyone, I mean, we should, can we do like a strategic planning session for like each of us as individuals? Cause I think that kind of stuff also needs to happen in some degree um, with many of us, like just thinking like, what is it we're doing? What are my intentions? How am I growing? Right. You know, how do I um, grow with um, in a way that's responsive to the needs and interests of the people that I'm serving? vendors, shoppers. So we're doing that right now. Um, it will be a process that we continue, um, continue over the next year. And, you know, then it will be a plan for the next three to five years. Um, so we're looking at a lot of big things. Um, we're looking at things like, um, we looked at the big question of what kind of market do we want to be? Um, and really realized that we wanted to be a hub for our community in addition to serving our vendors. Um, we've had a lot of um, interest among community members of the, around the question of, should we have a permanent physical space or should we continue to be, to operate pop-up markets? Um, we mm -hmm. definitely at this point are not ready to build a permanent physical space, but it will be a continued question for for the market there's a lot of other big things like that where we're just looking at what do we do to support the sustainability and growth of the market over time and how do we continue being relevant to our community and um, then there's other things like 
for example, the, the beginning of the work that we've been doing around equity, diversity, and, and inclusion, that, that connects back to our food access programs, it connects to our BIPOC Startup Business Fund, and it also, we recognize there's a lot more to do there. Like, for example, um, I think we'll be starting the assessment over the next several years of, is our farmer's market physically accessible to people? And how can we improve that? And um, are there populations that we're overlooking when we're thinking about um, who we serve? And so those are some of the big questions that we'll be looking at over time. And um, if there's any other farmer's markets listening or farmer's market shoppers listening, I just encourage people to, to embrace those questions with us. They're such an important thing for us to be thinking about as people. Like, how do we make sure that we're not overlooking um, part of our population um, in our work? And how do we really um, move towards a place where we can be inclusive of um, all of the people who want to participate in the market? In what remaining free time you have in your life when you're not managing farmers markets, what what do you do for fun? Oh and man, excitement? that's a great question. I love it. <laughs> um, I still garden, and um, I do have two small children, okay. so I haven't been able to successfully maintain it as my primary food source. But I do love it. It's uh, like medicine for okay. for my soul, and there's nothing like a fresh salad directly from the garden that you pick that same day, bring it inside, wash it, eat it. That's just, I love that. Um, I also right. um, love to ride my bike and run and hike. Um, yeah. And spend time with my kids and go to the beach and build a sandcastle or whatever they want to do. Um, yeah. And I have a extended family here in, in Port Townsend and Jefferson County. And so, you know, with COVID it's been, harder to to spend as much time with all the people who I love and, and miss and care about. Um, but we've prioritized continuing to be close and engaged with our family. And that's a real joy for me. Share with us an off the beaten path, hidden gem. I don't want you to give away your, your, your top secret place. I'm not asking for that, but if somebody were to search the, search the internet and look on TripAdvisor or Yelp or something, they're going to be told to go, you know, go visit downtown Port Townsend because of the great architecture. Go to Fort Warden, you know, they're going to, all those things are going to, they're well documented. There's got to be something you can share with us that's just a little off the beaten path in Jefferson sure. County. Oh man, there's so many amazing things here. Um, one of many reasons to be here in this place. I love the trail system that's just uh, really close to my house. We have Cappy's Trails, which is maintained by the Jefferson Land Trust. They own um, the, the trail system and maintain it. And um, it weaves around different parts of, um, it's, it's just like in my backyard, essentially. It's amazing. And um, <laughs> as a runner, I just okay. can't be more thankful for that trail system. It's one of the reasons that I'm so happy to donate to the land trust every year. I just love what they do and the, their effort to really make, um, accessible local, um, trails in addition to the work that they do supporting local farms, um, with property easements that allow those farms to stay in farmland. Um, so that, that's one thing is Cappy's trails you, and the land trust puts out a really fantastic map of the trails. So that's something they are one of our market sponsors. And I know that they're planning to be at the market, um, a few times at least this season. So when you see them at the market, pick up their trail map because it really is, um, not to be missed and such a sweet system. Um, you mentioned some of right. my other things that I love, like the beaches and such, um, a lot of times people check out Fort Warden, but forget to, to hit up North Beach, which is, um, it's a, it, it's not like a sandy beach. It's got big, big rocks and driftwood and yep. you can hike on it for, you know, miles and just enjoy uh, a lot of quiet beach time. And I love that beach. And um, then you can, from there, easily connect to all the trails around Fort Warden. So that's, they're both both there and pretty close by each other. Okay. And then um, the farm stands. So I'm... Yeah. Check out the farm stands. Okay. Um, 
if, if you don't have a chance right. to get to the farmer's market, you can still support local farms by going directly to the, some of the farm stands. And there's several in Chimicum, um, as well as other parts of the county. So my next visit to Port Townsend, I'm going to show up in the morning and I'm going to need coffee. Where do I, where well, should I go? Well, if it's a Saturday, you should come to the farmer's market. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep. All right. If you're right. not going to be there, you know, in time for the farmer's market or you need to get your coffee before you can get to the market, we've got a, another couple great coffee shops. Um, we've got several groups that do their own ro- roasting and just make phenomenal coffee. Uh-huh. Um, there's Better Living Through Coffee. They um, also are one of our vendors um, with um, P- the PT Coffee Company. Um, and then, um, they, then we have, um, we have the, a couple different other coffee shops that don't participate in the market, but are really great. There's, um, one that's close to on either side of kind of our boat areas, there's velocity and they are market regulars. So they, they frequently, I see them most Saturdays at the market and they also do a mean, uh, cup of coffee, however you like it. And okay. then there's, um, the Port Townsend Coffee Company um, that's by the Boat Haven and they just um, do really great coffee too. So you know what? You can't go real wrong here in Jefferson County when it comes to coffee. Right. We've got some really good stuff. I, I remember seeing the sign for better living through coffee and I just thought that was a brilliant <laughs> coffee company. I, just, I love that name. I just thought that was just fabulous. Well, as we wrap this up, what didn't we cover? Did I overlook something? Did we did we miss a big topic? Because oftentimes mm-hmm. I can do that. Um, I think you did a really great job. Um, I don't feel like we missed anything in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, I could dive into any number of, you know, praising how awesome our businesses are, but um, vendor businesses. But I think that you have to show up at the farmer's market to see it for yourself because there really is um, so much to experience. And if coming to our market is not the, isn't going to work for your plans. So I hope that I just had a big ding from my calendar. I hope that didn't should come through, but um, if, okay. Oh, it does, but that's if coming okay. to our market isn't in your plans um, in the next couple months, when, once it opens in April, then hit up your local farmer's market because there is going to be something amazing there that is that you're going to love. And then it's going to give right back to your community through your your shopping dollars. So, um, come visit us, Port Townsend or Chimicum. And if you can't make it to our markets, then visit whichever your closest farmer's market is and show them some love. In the show notes, I'll put a link to the, the farmer's market site so people can, can take a look, take a look at it and make sure the hours are convenient and all of that. Amanda, thank you very much for taking the time to make this happen. I, I enjoyed our conversation and learning more about the yeah, markets. Yeah, thanks for your time, Scott. Um, it was nice to talk with you. And um, say hi when you're at the market. <laughs> I'll give you a tour. <laughs> I will stop in. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I mean, somebody that looks like this is pretty easy. to. Oh, I think Well, I you do kind of look like um, my uncle it's, too. So um, it's it's either you or my uncle, but yeah. So I see that, yeah, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, my friends go, oh, it's Santa. Um but you know, we, we, don't, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. hi kids. Well, You're thank very you welcome. so much. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.